Welcome to Sound and Vision, conversations with contemporary artists and musicians about the creative process. Here's the host of Sound and Vision, Brian Alfred. Sound and Vision is supported by the New York Studio School. The school welcomes artists from around the world to join us this summer in New York City or virtually from your home studio in the school's legendary marathons and learn from dedicated artists and to expand as makers. Rigorous and immersive, marathons unfold over 10 days from 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern Time daily and present a wide range of art-making strategies combined with comprehensive critiques and inspirational discussions. Paradigm-shifting discoveries propel artists to relate to drawing, painting, and sculpture as direct methodologies in understanding their experience in the world, the profound impact of which continues far beyond each marathon. Generous, partial scholarships are available. Visit nyss.org to apply today. Sound and Vision is supported by Golden Artist Colors. Golden is an employee-owned company that makes the best artist materials for making that you can get. Over the last 25 years or so, I've been using Golden acrylics, mediums, and materials, and I stand by the quality in their products. They make acrylics that stay wet longer, they dry flat, mediums to make you paint super thick and beautifully fluid. They also make Williamsburg oil paints and core watercolors as well. You can find Golden in your local art store or online at goldenpaints.com. Sound and Vision is supported by the fine coffee makers at Fulcrum Coffee Roasters. Fulcrum has amazing coffee beans that you can order straight to your door. On their website, you can choose from different roasts from different origins, and you can even get a coffee subscription where you can get different beans delivered to your door each week or month. I'm on this subscription plan and it's amazing. As a coffee fanatic, getting new roasts all the time delivered fresh to the door is amazing. If you get to Seattle, you can even see a 10 foot by 40 foot mural of mine in their 6th and Bell Street shop. Check out Fulcrum Coffee Roasters at fulcrumcoffee.com. Gwen O'Neill was born in New York, New York, and lives and works in Los Angeles. She received her BFA from the Savannah College of Art and Design. Her solo exhibition, Wild Mountain Time, opens May 13th in Anat Egby in LA and follows recent presentations of her work by the gallery in group contexts, including the Korean International Art Fair in Seoul, the Armory Show in New York, the Felix Art Fair in Los Angeles, and If You Forget My Name, You Will Go Astray at the gallery's new Fountain Avenue location. Gwen's work is currently on view at the Long Beach Museum of Art, in the group exhibition Color Fields. I spoke with Gwen about gas leaks growing up in New York, from photography to painting and much more. Here's our conversation. So you have six there, a little after six. Yes, a little after six. Kind of just finished my day. Um, I've kind of had an eventful two days. I will say, um, yes, <laughs> yesterday, uh, uh, I thought my studio and my apartment building might blow up. <laughs> no, that's 
Yeah, I know. It was <laughs> just randomly. Uh, There's too much energy. I in the guess studio. so, right? Like blow. the solo show was just ready to to blow up. Blow but, it up. But um, yeah, yeah. no. So like yesterday morning, uh, around ten thirty. Of course, it's the mornings that you kind of sleep in and you don't shower right away, and you know you're kind of lagging behind. And um, yeah, I was having my coffee, still in my pajamas, and then we just get like a loud banging on the door, and it's the guy from the gas company saying, uh, "Yeah, we you need to evacuate right now. The building needs to evacuate." And my boyfriend and I just like frantically shot up. We were like, "Oh my god!" Like you know what? And uh, yeah, so we had to evacuate the building and gas leak. Gas leak, not in the. Well, it was coming. There was um, it was coming out from the side of the building. It was coming from the ground, and mm-hmm. you could literally see the gas coming out, and you and you could hear it. Jeez. It was it was quite intense. I know we were all kind of stand. The apartment building is only like eight units, so it's not that many people, but. Um, we were like, where's the fire department? Like, shouldn't they be here too, like with the gas company? And so, yeah, we were kind of just hanging around and uh, on the side of the road. Definitely should have been a little further away from the apartment building, <laughs> rather, like so we couldn't see the gas. But uh, right. up until about 4 p.m. yesterday, I wasn't sure what was happening with like my studio and the building. And it was just kind of like a nightmare and then today they said uh, like we haven't had uh, what is it we haven't had ga- so yeah we haven't had gas so we haven't had like hot water or anything and um, we don't know when we're getting it back they just told us that about an hour ago so they just basically cut it off for now until they, until fix, they it. fix it they gotta dig a hole and put a new I pipe think in so yeah supposedly they thought um uh an earthquake or something may have happened and the pipes underneath like a corroded pipe it just you know it just burst yeah. so yeah that was uh my day yesterday thinking yeah about a year's worth of paintings for my first show you know <laughs> might combust oh, i no. know that's like an that is it was i um was like is it I guess if it's meant to be, but the gallery, they picked up just one painting. And so the joke was like, my show would have been one painting, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one painting and some, and snapshots some snapshots that you had of some. Yes, I know. Taped to the wall. Well, I'm glad that worked I know. Out. I mean, so wait, your, your apartment is like right by the yeah, studio? Yeah. So uh got really lucky um i was when i first moved to la in 2016 i lived downtown which is i don't know if if you know anything about downtown la but it's 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 rough and um i was super unhappy down there and i figured like if i was going to be in a city with tall buildings and whatnot like i might as well move back home to new york and and actually there'd be like people walking around the streets. Like it was kind of, it's, it's kind right. of a weird, I haven't been down there in a while now, but it was like definitely a weird dynamic. But uh, yeah, I found the apartment. It's uh, the neighborhood I live in is called Whitley Heights. It's the first neighborhood in the Hollywood Hills. So 1920-ish is when like the buildings and the houses were built. 
And yeah, we have like a little apartment and then the garage to the building sits on the street side. And uh, we, I didn't know about the garage at first. And then the landlord was like, oh, you're painters. You got, you know, to my boyfriend and I, do you want the, do you want the garage space? And we're like, oh my God, yes. We walked in, there was nothing in here. It's like a three car garage. And it's been, uh, it's been, it's been perfect. It's yeah. Yeah, that's a great. Wow, what a happy. I know, right? <laughs> it's uh, because you were you would have had to plan to go out and find and commute to a studio. Yeah, probably I, a little ways yeah, away. Yeah, I mean, it's a, quite a few of our uh, artist friends. They have those uh, kind of like factory warehouse like studios downtown, and yeah. um, I don't know. I just I couldn't <laughs> I couldn't go down there and like make work. It's the, the garage studio that I have here is like v- very much like a tree house. There's just, I'm literally, yeah, I feel like I'm like in a bungalow in a tree. It's, it's quite something. That's yeah. nice. It is. Yeah. It's good to have a good vibe where you make your work. M- most yeah. definitely. I think, you know, my work is so much about the environment and nature and, um, so to be surrounded by it at all times is uh, is is inc- is incredible. Are you uh, you working on that summer Long Island beach house studio? Um, this some yeah. So this summer I'll go back home for a bit to paint again. Um, Last last summer, I made a solo show on my parents' back deck for Untitled, the art fair in uh, mm-hmm. Miami during Art Basel, and it and it yeah. was, it was just such a dream. I mean, it was like that Long Island summer light is is so warm and lovely, and just being around like with the birds and the uh, the trees. I mean, everything was just it was. It was perfection. Yeah. Well, um, well, let's go back to the New York thing because as mm-hmm. someone, I, I didn't grow yeah. up in New York, but I've spent, you know, over half my life here and I feel I'm always, you know, fascinated by the story of people who grow up in, in New York City. Yeah. And um, yeah, so, so you had mentioned that your family, there's a long lineage of New Yorkers. Yeah, my grandfather was born in the Bronx and my grandmother was born in uh, Manhattan. And so my father was born in Queens and I was then born in Manhattan. Um, my mother, though, is from England. She was born in Surrey. And then most of her family is in Cornwall, which is on the coast in England. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I grew up, I was born in Chinatown and uh, my parents bought a loft on Prince Street and it was like, I lived there until about 10, 10 or 11 years old. Uh, it was amazing. I mean, I loved kind of like the freedom of being a kid in the city. I'd run out of the apartment building and, you know, go around the corner to a bodega or the bakery or whatever it was and it was uh it was really great yeah well how did they okay so your grandfather was born in the bronx you said right how did they end up in the bronx 
Like, where does it all start? Uh, you know, it's a good question. I don't really. Oh well, yeah, my. So my grandmother, born in Manhattan, her family is from Australia, Adelaide, and then my grandfather, uh, his father, was born in Belfast, Ireland, and they. So I guess my great grandfather. And then my great-grandmother, my great-grandfather that was born in Belfast had, I think he, he had gone to Australia at one point and met my great-grandmother there and then moved back to Belfast, I think, and then to the Bronx, so, something around, <laughs> something along the likes of that, yeah. Wow, I wonder why they went to the Bronx. I know, Right. I have no idea. And that, the lineage of like Irish and Australian, I mean, that is yeah. like either you could either see that as being very strong willed and and um, excitable, forceful, energetic people. Yes, definitely. But yeah, I, I do love I love that being like part of my family history. It's it's, it's pretty yeah. cool. And I'm named after my great grandmother from uh, Adelaide. Her, her name was Gwendolyn and uh I never got to meet her but um it's yeah it's quite a it's quite a cool story and then my mother being from England is like a whole nother part of that and I you know I have dual citizenship which is amazing I, I'm trying to like get over to England at some point and live there for a little bit maybe like start off with like a few months and See, see how that goes but I'm so used to the California weather now where I don't know if London will if you're gonna hang with the gray suit me quite well yeah I mean yeah it seems like it's ethnically though it seems like it's in your blood probably definitely right I think I'd I would get used to it I mean I have great family and and wonderful friends there so it wouldn't be too hard to just kind of you know fold right in to the whole pub life and artistic yeah, scene yeah. there which is which is really cool but uh yeah it's yeah it's something that i think i definitely want to do at some point i don't know la though is like such a place right now and it there's so much happening here and it's it's really exciting to be part of it yeah, yeah. so that's a good take because these days you just hear about la being you know kind of like new york right after covid like right as covid mm. was you know, cresting and everyone's like, yeah, New York is just like, you know, it's, it's just like zombies and, you know, crime yeah. and just dirt and it's awful. And it wasn't, no, you know, it wasn't that bad at all. But you know, the story you hear about LA is just like, it's gotten a little, you know. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely a bit, it can be dodgy for sure. Uh, like the, I, yeah, I think, yeah. Kind of like, those months following COVID, uh, things got a bit weird crime-wise. Like, we're... So, like, the neighborhood that I'm in is... It's not too far up in the hills. We're kind of we're kind of low, and uh, Hollywood Boulevard is kind of, like, right below us. And so, Hollywood Boulevard is definitely... It can be a bit sketchy, for sure. And there's been like definitely some crime up like in my neighborhood of 
um, like the typical like car theft type thing, like breaking into cars, but also like there's been like a stabbing on our street, like things like that for, you know, like simple things like wallet, like people want their wallets and stuff like that. So right. yeah, it's definitely, it was definitely a little, it, I feel like it's gotten a little better, but it's definitely, it definitely was a bit sketchy. Yeah, you know, it. I, the other thing I wonder too, I mean, you know, growing up, spending time in New York, that's such a huge shift. Well, I guess we can get into yeah. that. So you, so you were in Manhattan until you were 10? Yeah, I was born in 92 and then uh, my parents uh, had my younger sister. Uh, she's five years younger than me and in 98 and kind of around 2000, in 2002, we moved full time out to Long Island uh, like after was that nine eleven? Yeah, related? definitely a little bit nine nine eleven related. Um, I think also just schooling wise for two yeah two young girls and um, they had bought the property out in Long Island in ninety eight and just built like a a small kind of like modest beach shack country shack type of thing. Never thinking we'd be there full time and. And then yeah. 9-11 happened and it just really shook everyone. I mean, you know, like we watched it happen pretty much. So, uh, and the fear then of maybe other things that would happen in this city afterwards. And so, yeah, we moved out there full time in 2002. Yeah, I started fifth grade out there. Yeah. How was that shit? It was a transition for sure. I mean... <laughs> I loved New York. I didn't want to leave. I mean, I remember to this day, like, I was hysterically crying in the elevator on the way down, leaving the apartment, and just didn't want to go. And it's, uh, I mean, it was, yeah, it was a change for sure. But looking back on it now, you know, it was a beautiful place to grow up. And, uh, the, the schooling out there is really great. Uh, you got some nature. nature for sure. Having a backyard and the beach, the, like being by the ocean and the bays is, is, uh, was really wonderful. So not much to do in the wintertime, um, as a kid, but <laughs> yeah, it gets quiet, it's quiet right? out there for sure. It's not like the summer season that everyone thinks about, but, um, it was, yeah, I mean, looking back on it, it was wonderful. Yeah. Now, was there creativity in the family? Like, what did your parents do? Or was it, where's the lineage of work and what people were interested yeah, in Yeah, there's, my my father studied uh, architecture at NYU. Uh, and then my mother, she's an interior designer. But when we were living in New York, she uh, was the kind of head of this fabric company called Benison Fabrics, and she, which is from uh, London, and she kind of managed and saw over the whole uh, showroom. It was on Green Street, and she was there for fifteen, I think fifteen years. I think I think so. Yeah. So like, you know, I remember like walking into the showroom and just being around like all this beautiful kind of traditional English fabric and the colors and the designs and and whatnot and of course growing up in New York uh, 
being taken around to museums and galleries and uh, the Met, the MoMA, like, you know, those kinds of places. So, yeah, it's... My parents also had a lot of interesting friends. Uh, and specifically this one uh, couple, Peter and Gina, they they were really, really arty and always very encouraging and um, with, with me and my sister to like be practicing art and uh, showing us all these cool like movies or shows or um, things that they had done. Like Gina had worked uh, in Warhol's factory and Peter was a, a writer for, like he wrote, um, he wrote films and so it was pretty it was pretty cool to go over to their apartment all the time and they had like a a, a uh, uh, like a what do you call it like a st- stuffed calf that had two heads and like they just had like this funky cool vibe to them and it really really rubbed off so yeah pretty th- I guess that's the advantage of like growing up in the city is you get some characters like that yeah you know? For sure. And was your dad, like, did he practice? Was he a practicing architect? No, he studied and then um, he went right into real estate in, in Manhattan. And then so now he... Well, that works. Yeah, I mean, he's <laughs> like, he knows what he's talking about when, you know, people are asking all the questions about, you know, the house and land and whatnot. He's he's quite knowledgeable about it all. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, it's funny. Like, if you live in New York you kind of get to know real estate one way oh, yeah. or another. Big time, right? <laughs> it's not yeah. like something you ignore. It's not like you buy a house somewhere and that's no. then you just retire one day. It's like you're kind of hyper-conscious of it. It's so. it's kind of in your face all the time. I mean, especially now with just it being so crazy expensive. It's just, I feel like it's in your face all the time. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's crazy. It's its own beast. This it well, is. Long Island's bad too, as far as that's concerned. Oh yeah, it's not it's not cheap out there either. So, um, so you had the family friends who were sort of exposing you to some art, yes, uh, being for artistic. Sure. But then, when did it happen? Like in school and stuff. I mean, I, you went to an art school, so obviously in high school you must have been dabbling, or there was, you know, you were into it. Yeah, definitely. I. Uh, I took a lot of photo classes throughout uh, high school and just fell in love with it. I wasn't take, I was, it was mostly just digital photography. It wasn't until uh, uh, arriving at SCAD that I was, um, you know, exposed to uh, the dark room and I just fell in love even further and just the excitement of taking rolls of film and then not knowing what it was until you develop them and scan them and uh, and then, you know, making prints. It was just such a beautiful process. And uh, But yeah, I think, I mean, I always drew as a kid and like kind of the traditional sense that kind of every kid does, right? Um, but yeah, it was kind of high school where I was taking photo classes and, uh, a colleague of my mother's, um, 
was like, oh yeah, Gwen should, she should look at SCAD. That's where I went and she'd probably love it. And so I looked at SCAD and Savannah is just such a beautiful place. Have you ever been? Yeah, I have. Yeah, it's uh, the Spanish moss and the architecture and just the history of that place. And to go to school down there and be in a, be in a city that was big enough where you felt like, you know, as a 19 year old, you had freedom and it was, it was a fun place to be, but it, it, it wasn't too, it wasn't too small. Like, uh, you know, I, I could concentrate on schoolwork, but also, you know, have fun at the same time. Whereas I feel like being in a big city like New York, I think, I don't know. I think I would have been really distracted. Yeah. I wonder though, if you spent all your time growing up in the city and didn't move out to Long Island, if it would have been a bigger shift to go somewhere like SCAD from being in the city and going to school in the city. Yeah. I hadn't thought about that, but yeah, definitely. I think, you know, if I'd stayed in New York in such a, you know, uh, vast environment and then going to a place like Savannah, which is obviously much slower pace, but I guess it, yeah, I don't know if I would have went to SCAD, honestly, if I stayed in New York. I don't know where, maybe kind of like a RISD situation, I'm not sure. But yeah, going to Savannah was definitely like a nice, um, in terms of pace, it, it, it was nice to, to be down there. Yeah, so you started and did you start taking photo? Was that the idea? Yeah, I, I, um, yeah, my major was photography. I didn't love the kind of like studio work, kind of like the more fashion editorial, that kind of, um, side of photo. I was definitely more into the fine art and being out in, uh, in the landscape and nature and, 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 and kind of that, 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 that realm for sure. But I was always inspired by, uh, like, uh, abstract expressionist painters, the color field painters, the impressionists. And so that the most of the photography work that I was doing was much, uh, about color and light. It was very atmospheric. Um, so it was kind of like an, this natural progression to painting. It, but yeah. that didn't happen until uh, my senior year. Yeah. So were you you were shooting on film? Yeah, shooting on film, just like a, my thirty five millimeter Nikon, uh, and then I uh, like my junior year, I started using a Hasselblad. Oh, so those medium, are fancy, aren't they? Yeah, they're really cool. <laughs> See, I don't know anything format. about photo, but my son is into it now, so. I kind of learned a little bit and he has one of those, I mean, I got him yeah. one of those Nikon film cameras yeah. from the seventies, maybe. I don't know. Sure. Things a tank weighs a ton. They're so great. They, I mean, I, I bring that thing everywhere and it's kind of like a, it's kind of like an everyday like journal type camera to me. And then if I'm going more out on like a, if I know I'm going to be shooting for like a while and I want to uh, take some more images like on medium format, like I'll take the Hasselblad and, but no, the, the 35 Nikon is, is like, is perfect. How old's your son? 
He's in 10th grade. Yeah, it's a perfect camera. Yeah, he's, I mean, he's got the digital one, but he likes the the analog too. Yeah, there's something magical about them. There's, and also like this, uh, the anticipation to see the image and it's not this like instant thing. Right, uh, yeah. Is quite nice. Yeah, it's called my entire youth. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Zero instant gratification. I know. Except for the... Except for the little Polaroids. That we the Polaroids. Have. I know. Those are fun. I, those are really fun. I actually just bought one a few days ago. Uh, I wanted to photograph uh, the studio and have like this. Because the thing is, though, with like the photos, I, I never really end up printing any of them. They're all just these digital files, even if it is film. And I wanted right. like this physical kind of like memento of like creating work in the studio. So, yeah, yeah. that's why I bought one. Um, so what happened your senior year? What brought you to the dark side? (laughs) I know, my goodness. I, so my boyfriend, he, he was painting and. uh, Oh, it's his fault? It's his fault. Yeah. And, um, (laughs) we were out at my, at my parents' house and he was painting, uh, in the backyard on the lawn. And I was like, you know, I'm going to do that too. And I just kind of went for it. And I just remember my father being like oh no not another <laughs> painter like oh boy <laughs> no <laughs> and um so yeah it, it was we we collaborated too on a lot of on a lot of work my boyfriend and I um we would just get a massive roll of canvas and roll it out and we would get the garden hose and um make these kind of like washed stain uh like paintings and uh with pigments and let them dry in the sunlight and uh it was pretty yeah it was pretty cool so and then I guess I was making that kind of work and then we had moved to LA and um I kind of stopped painting for a little bit and was more focused on photo and then went back into painting and yeah it's been a been like a roller coaster of a ride (laughs) yeah well did you I mean how much studying did you do in painting I'd say I'm guessing you did a lot of studying in photo and then yeah a lot of studying yeah a lot of studying in photo uh I would say zero in painting um it's I know yeah I think the f- like, studying photography though has really helped shape my view on things and it really forces you to look and uh, be aware of your surroundings and uh, so with the work that I make now is very much about the environment and the landscape that I'm in and uh, whenever I'm on a walk or a hike or uh, even just in like my neighborhood, I'm. I think with with that um, education of, you know, photography and having to be constantly looking at things, it was eye opening, right? Um, yeah. Yeah. So. So yeah. Well, yeah, I think it. You know, it's funny. I was at MoMA this weekend, mm-hmm. and there's all this Ellsworth Kelly. It's great yeah. stuff. And the whole time I'm looking at it, I can't help but think about his photographs, you know, and how much 
that must have informed, informed his work. I mean, I don't, I haven't read that much about Ellsworth Kelly, mm-hmm. but I, yeah, I'm sure hand in hand. I mean, when you see those photographs, you're like, oh, okay, I get it. it you know, it makes sense. It, yeah. And, yeah. uh, and then the paintings are just so beautiful. And then the sketches for those paintings and it, I don't know, I guess there's something I was thinking about. I mean, looking behind you at those paintings and thinking about photographs that can inform that kind yeah. of stuff. It's, you know, it's uh, it's a, it's a, you could think of it as a really kind of visual way of drawing, you know, by drawing, by looking at the world instead of just literally drawing it, but just composing it as an image and then using that as a jump off point. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, I've, I've only just started to, well, with this body of work particularly, start to sketch and it's really helped uh, the process of getting to the painting. And I have also been looking at a lot of uh, imagery of uh, the starling murmurations and uh yeah it's i mean i wish i could take some photos of the starling murmuring (laughs) the murmurations myself but it's incredibly informative and the 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 sketching too is it really helps start the process of the paintings i mean i'm such i'm a i'm such a colorist and it's very intuitive and I don't really have this like idea of what the painting is color-wise going to be and if I can just get the sketch on the canvas and then I can just kind of go and the one color will lead to another and it's it's very uh, freeing I guess in a sense. Yeah. Do you think you uh, those starling flights um were inspired by i'm sure when you were growing up you know there's a similar yeah. phenomenon in new york city where but i think we call them like pigeons flying in circles yeah right <laughs> pigeons i know it's not quite as poetic as the starlings as the starlings floating around in space <laughs> it's just pigeons and some guy up on a roof with a stick just like i know keep i always have this thing in my head that <laughs> my dad always just called them rats with wings Pigeons. Yeah, it's, there's nothing more New York than yeah, saying, you know, what I mean? <laughs> the so, rats with wings. The rats with wings, but yeah, there was a a time, a few summer, a few summers ago, I was walking uh, on the beach with my parents' uh, dog. They have like an 85 pound English lab, and she is just, I'm obsessed with her. I love her to death, but. Uh, so yeah, I was walking her on the beach and she, she ran up and she disrupted this kind of flock of birds on, on the sand and they, they, they flew up and they started to create this beautiful, uh, motion and murmuration in the sky. And that kind of, it, it, that's when it clicked. And I just started looking at all these images and videos of, the murmurations and it and it led me to uh leave like the negative space in the paintings and see the raw canvas and uh yeah do you uh 
do you know much about starlings? I might be totally wrong on this, so, you know, I'll just leave this in and sound like a jackass, but I think starlings are, like, problematic, too, or they're, they're not... They're incredibly problematic, yeah. They came over from Europe. I believe they yeah. brought over, like, a couple of them, and then, like, like, they just, like, weeds, they just took over, and they cause yes. all sorts of issues. They freak out, like, their, their noises they make is, like, insane, not their call, I think, but when they do that little clicking thing, it's just like kind of crazy. It's They're wild. All over New York, too. You know? Yeah, they are. I think you're right. They, they. Um, I want to say someone. I think there was like some New York Times article, and someone was doing like the Shakespeare play in Central Park, and then they brought them over for that purpose and then released them in Central Park and then it just went haywire. Like they just started <laughs> to like, like po- populate. Yep, we'll stay here. <laughs> yeah, no, but they like destroy crops. They displace other species. I mean, they're 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 not great, but... Hey, there's two it, sides to every coin, right? Of course. You know, it's just, yeah. it's, they fly beautifully and they look, they're pretty too, you know? And pigeons, who are rats with wings, but their <laughs> call is very, they're basically doves. I think pigeon's yes. technical name is rock dove. And, you know, they coo politely and they do. You know, they're kind of, they have their ups <laughs> and downs. <laughs> De- definitely, I know. Um, I mean, I'm speaking of a duality that maybe we could parlay to thinking about your paintings. Like yeah. the painted areas in the raw canvas or, mm-hmm. you know, but when you say this, I'm interested in this because I read this about you, that yeah. you're a colorist. And I would argue, am I incorrect in saying this, that every painter is a colorist. So what makes a colorist a colorist and a painter or just a regular painter? Is it that hmm. you're isolating color as a main player in the production or, you know what I mean? Yeah. What makes a colorist a colorist? Agnes Martin would be a colorist, right? I mean, what? <laughs> Sorry, this is a bad question. Yeah. No, <laughs> I, I, I think as a, I guess maybe it's sort of similar to a film where you would say maybe the soundtrack is a character of the film. Sure. I would say that the the colors that I use are they're a character of the painting and they I'm just staring at the paintings now, but I think without it, if they were more subdued or I was using less color, it just they wouldn't be the same. Yeah. I think that yeah, they they're these vibrant, energetic, uh, yeah. I mean, the paintings they look like they're be with the use of the color is like they look like they're moving almost, and I being in Los Angeles and uh, moving from New York, you know, where things are in bloom only, you know. A part of the year and then moving here where everything seems to be in bloom all the time and it was such a sensory overload of just this kind of vibrancy here and you know you have like I have this 
bougainvillea plant that's across the street and it's like this bright bright pink i mean it's almost neon and i've got the bird of paradise uh there's also this tree called the jacaranda tree and it's this kind of purpley bluish hue and there are some streets here in LA where they're uh, they're lined with these trees, and it's almost like a cartoon. It's 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 just so surreal. Uh, it's like a curious. saturation bomb compared yeah. to, you know, out east it gets gray. It gets gray. a little. I mean, we have our moments. Like right now in New York City, it's like those purple flowering trees and mm. the white one. I mean, it's pretty. It's banging now for a couple of weeks, but in LA, yes. I think it's probably a little more consistent. But I guess yeah. I was asking that just for semantically because, uh, you know, I, I definitely see that, you know, color mm-hmm. le- uh, plays to me and looking at the word color plays kind of a lead role. You know, if you look at like Albers, people like that, you know, yeah, I mean, col- they're a colorist. Even, you know, Frankenthaler, like people like that, you know, who are dealing with the colors playing a seemingly more important role in the painting, although definitely. one could argue that color is i mean you know it's always there really it's it is always it's got the spotlight on it or not yeah and it's i i think you know back to the out going back to albers is you know it's it when as i'm working too it's like sometimes i'll pick up uh like on my palette like i pick up another color by mistake and then then maybe the painting starts to go into like that direction with another color and it's it's how these colors all look against one another and how they change and it's uh I think that's just part of the movement of my work too I mean the murmurations of course and then I have paintings that are about the Santa Ana winds here which are very powerful and um the you know like the sunrises and the the sunsets and the colors that come from come from that come from that and uh, yeah, I mean, I, I just the L.A. has just been such a overwhelmingly positive, uh, uh, you know, color influence story on for the work. Me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah well, definitely. let's talk a little bit about music too, because I mean, judging by just and this is shot in the dark but mm-hmm. i mean your your show coming up it's not up yet right obviously cause uh may 13th yeah may 13th. okay so but the title is from a bird song if i'm not mistaken yes so well played with the double entendre with birds and birds i know oh i didn't even think of that but yeah Come on you <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah so wild yeah wild mountain time it was Uh, It's an Irish-Scottish folk song, and it was sung by, you know, many, many people. And but the birds is the version I was had been listening to, and uh, it the song is a love song. It's also a love song for the arrival of spring, and uh, it just felt quite fitting that uh, this was, you know, this body of work for me was a love letter to LA, the landscape here, and. Uh, also the I guess the show being in May kind of like a spring month but yeah music is incredibly important uh, to me I mean I I think having this job is the greatest excuse because I get to listen to music all day long and uh, yeah, that's really cool. why we do it right 
Yeah. I mean, we I pretend mean, like we're just, you know, we're painters and it's all about, you know, making visual stuff, but hey, we just get to listen whatever we want all day. It's beautiful. It's, uh, it's a treat. That's for sure. Yeah. It's, I'm obsessed. I, when I found out I got this show, I went out and I bought a pair of B&W tower speakers for the studio and it's my life has changed i I will say (laughs) yeah good speakers make a big difference big difference Um, this is a a complete guess and i'm probably way off but since dad was studied architecture Mm -hmm. and was in real estate i mean was i'm thinking of that well maybe he's post that era was he into jazz yeah i mean my parents are like huge music people and I mean I remember like as a kid specifically like they had uh you know tons of records and you know on vinyl and whatnot and that Sticky Fingers album the the Stones album yeah and how the zipper would actually unzip and zip yeah yeah I would yeah but uh no I mean music is such a part of our fabric and uh it's depends on the time of night what we're doing if we're cooking if we're kind of winding down to eat or uh or whatever it is you know if we're getting a night started it's um, you know it'll be like maybe the rolling stones or like led zeppelin is thrown on and then if you know we're sitting down to to have something to eat like he'll put on some frank or dean and it's but I guess that has just been wired into my head of, like, you know, of how I play the music in my studio and how I'm feeling. And, uh, yeah, it's part of it, right? It's part of it for sure. Yeah. Time but, of day. Uh, yeah. What, uh, what music do you, does your painting sound like, do you think? Hmm. It's, a, that always puts people on the spot. Yeah, it's. <laughs> I guess it's difficult because the music that I listen to maybe doesn't always. It doesn't look like what I'm making. Right. Uh, no, no, that's the thing. Yeah, I, I yeah. say this all the time. It's hard. It has nothing to do with what you listen to. It's I mean, I, I listen to NWA. My music. <laughs> yeah. Don't look anything like no. that, or you know whatever I'm listening to. But there is certain music that I can kind of align with my work in a, in a sensibility way so I was just mm. curious if there's anything that you think that is in the wheelhouse because you know I listened to that track because you know the uh, I believe that song by the birds is on fifth dimension and I had a mm-hmm. friend growing up who was really into the birds and yeah I was never I mean I like the birds they're good but I never listened to them like willingly it was only when I just heard them yeah. And they're really amazing. Those songs are great. But I don't think your work looks like that. Not that you were saying it does, but you know what I mean? I think the birds has too much nostalgia and like harmony yeah. in a way that feels different than the movement of your work. So I think the the matching of color and movement would relate somehow sonically to something. But there's you don't have to answer it. It's just fun to think about. No, I mean, I, I guess... I don't know. Now I'm kind of thinking like the Beach Boys. I don't know why. The Beach 
Yeah, I could see that. Little pet sounds-ish. A little pet sounds, yeah. Um, which I, you know, it's one of my favorite records of all time, but I guess I could see that. Yeah, but I see when I think Beach Boys, this <laughs> this conversation goes off the rails. Um, <laughs> because it's so narrative, it's so yeah. Brian Wilson-y that I would think figures like Hockney or something. You know what I mean? Where I'm seeing True. like a narrative play out. Whereas I would think yours feel a little more instrumental. Or little, if there is yeah. singing, it's like melodic and it's not so like Dylan-y, lyric-based and it's something more like... It's just more about textured. sound. Yeah. yeah. I guess, um, like I love Radiohead, but that might be a little too like melancholic. Yeah, it's a little dark. Sounding, it's a little dark, a little eerie. Um, but I guess... The murmurations are a little dark and a little eerie, but uh, we'll think about yeah. it. Maybe yeah, we'll, think about we'll circle back to this like a week from now and be like, yeah. here's what it could be <laughs> <laughs> or a playlist. Um, so, yeah, but obviously you, you love listening to music while you're working. Do you uh, and then what visually as far as art? I mean, I always feel like I used to get annoyed because everyone would say to me like, oh, you must like. Sheila or Alex Katz or yeah you know like the this like handful of, yeah it just yeah. looks you, you must like Ed Ruscher or you know it was a handful of people mm-hmm. and uh you know I was looking at like a million other things so um so I guess one could lead to with like your brushstrokes and stuff of like a pointillist or impressionist sort of thing definitely which is interesting because impressionism and pointillism is such like as someone who teaches you know like intro mm-hmm. to painting, there's always like young painters who try that like they're like oh i want to paint like yeah. impressionistic or something and it's usually a train wreck just because they haven't figured out the logic of that stuff yet because it's very complicated it seems easy but you know breaking color into these relationships to describe an image is not as easy as it seems no but, and it's it's so much about uh light too and and understanding the use of light and I think studying photography has definitely helped in that department and um but no I mean of course you know the impressionists and then like the neo-impressionists after and um just in terms of like the pointillist style but I think in with in terms of color and movement I mean like Joan Mitchell is huge influence um frankenthaler of course and also uh wolfgang tillman's the photographer mm-hmm. um his like more so his abstract uh images uh i think they call them blushes and he has another body of work but yeah i mean his his abstract photos the movement and the color is incredible and then um I love uh, Christo and Jean Claude, the oh yeah, the artist duo of. Uh, I went and saw the the Orange Gates in Central Park. That was oh man, when was that? That was uh, two thousand five, maybe mm-hmm. a while ago. Yeah, and I just loved this kind of this bold color. In Central Park, and I'm pretty sure it was winter, so everything was dark and gray, and you just had these bright orange, like silky curtains flowing, and 
it was incredible. It was incredible. Yeah. I believe, I think there was a Times picture of that. Well, maybe I'm wrong. There was a kind of an iconic photo of those, you know, orange. What's crazy is that if it was 2005, that's two years before the iPhone was invented. That's right. Which is wild because now we can't, I mean, as I mentioned, I was at MoMA, you know, this past weekend and the amount of phones, it's like when you go to see a live show now, everyone's got their dumb phone up. Yep. And we look like fireflies or something with that's our little butt light, you know, where we're like yes. communicating or something. And like, it's like no one can actually live in a moment. So no, it's all through a screen, which I, I get it. And I don't want to be the old guy. But when you're trying to take in a Barnett Newman and it's beautiful, it's huge. It's like a field yeah. of red with stripes. And there's a girl like dressed really well, like posing in front of it. And someone's taking her photo. And she's like. Is this angle? Is this? I know it sucks the. It just sucks the preciousness out of the the intimacy of the moment of the painting. Yeah, so you know it is what it is. I guess. I know. I think. It's the new normal. Yeah, I think it. I think I was, maybe sixth or seventh grade, and like that first iPhone came out, and it was just makes me feel old i'm just saying (laughs) sorry (laughs) yeah it was i remember it oh man it was so cool they were so cool i mean yeah it definitely changes the way though that we all listen to music i mean i I would i would think a lot of people don't really listen to an album you know back to front anymore it's a lot of playlists and whatnot and i and i I do try, like, when I'm in the studio, I love to listen to albums, like, all the way through. Right. Yeah, no, I I mean, I'm, I grew up on that stuff, so I'm all about, like, the yeah. front, the back of a record. But um, the, even the way we encounter information being so different, because, you know, I mean, for Manhattan, I there used to be a store called Other Music, and, you know, you would go and mm-hmm. just look at the cover, and you're like, all right, speaking of visuals... That looks cool, and that you go cool. off the little two line description and the the art. The artwork used to like pull you in, which was pretty cool. Yeah, you're like, I'll take it. Now it's like sometimes I'm listening on Spotify, and you know how the covers down on the bottom left, and it's yeah. kind of small. And I try to like maximize it so I can see it better, and it won't even blow it up for me. And I'm like, damn it. Yeah, it's annoying. <laughs> can't even, I can't even see it like full screen. <laughs> no, I know. I've been using Title. Oh uh, wow, that's your your next level. And I yeah, even, I, I like commit. it. Because, um, like you said, with the album art you can it can be bigger on the screen as you're nice. listening to the music. Yeah, which I enjoy. I didn't even realize. It. I mean, I knew title from what is that? Who did that? Jay Z or someone? Is someone? I think it's Jay Z. Yeah, I think. Yeah. It, uh, yeah, it's definitely Jay Z because when it's like Beyonce's birthday. Like oh, it's all the whole Beyonce. interface is like listen to Beyonce's latest album. See, that's why you run. That's why you develop your own software. You're like, it's my day today. Forget it. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's, uh, that's. Oh man, it's so it's such a different phenomenon. You know what I mean? Of like mm. the way you encounter music and how music. it works and stuff. But it's amazing yeah. too. Like. You know, if I want to hear, you know, folk music from Mozambique, it takes me about 15 seconds. You know what I mean? And then I could explore it from head to toe. It's pretty wild. I mean, 
I can just hear my dad in my head, you know, saying, you can spend, what is it, 15 bucks a month and have unlimited access to all the, pretty much everything you want to listen to. And, you know, when he was a kid, it's, you had to pay 15 bucks for one for one record and it's it screws musicians that's for sure oh yeah sadly (laughs) i mean imagine if all art is just available i know for like 15 bucks a month it wouldn't (laughs) we're probably not far from it somehow some way it's gonna happen where you know everyone could just download your art and just download on a screen all of this uh what is it called the uh not the gifts the Oh, the NFT. NFTs, yeah, NFTs, yeah, yeah, yeah. It over. already passed. Already passed. <laughs> that was thank a quick party. Thank, thank goodness. Yeah, it was. A, I mean, it's funny because NFTs as an entity have always really existed. It's like the provenance of a painting or whatever is like an NFT technically. It's like the mm. thing that authenticates the work in a way, the signature. But now it's just like you know, it got a little haywire there. It with, got a little haywire. You know, smoking sure. monkeys for six million. That's what ruins it, you know. You tape that banana on the wall, you're going to piss off some people. <laughs> oh, I know. Friends of mine, um, they put a plastic banana up on their wall, and it's pretty funny whenever I go over to the house and, and see it. <laughs> but the question is, did they use silver duct tape? <laughs> yeah, they did. Nice. That's, see, yeah, that's the no, commitment they went that full, I like to they see. They went full, uh, full on. Yeah. Nice. That's going to peel off that drywall whenever they take that stuff off, you know? It's going to, that's, they've committed. They've committed. They've fully I like committed. It. I yeah. think Maurizio <laughs> would be proud. <laughs> would oh, be speaking of proud. Italians, do you, I would imagine you would love Giorgio Griffith's work. Giorgio, I'm not familiar. I'm going to change your, you, uh, this is going to blow your mind. <laughs> oh my god. We'll get into it after the podcast. Yeah. One of my, I, I love, I love his work. But uh, yeah. What's it? I mean, maybe I've seen. I'm also terrible with names too. Like, but what's the work? Uh, uh, it's on raw like? canvas. Sometimes just like cut and hung, not stretched, and it um is brush strokes and beautiful colors, a colorist, and you're gonna you're gonna. I'm just gonna, my mind's gonna explode. Either that, or you're gonna like hate me for the rest of your life. <laughs> like that I don't. I didn't want to see that. Or something, you know. No, I'm very excited now to look look it up. Sometimes, uh, <laughs> I remember I used to play music. I was in a band, yeah. And uh, our one of our our second record got reviewed. I think it was in Wire, or it was in one of those like a pretty mm-hmm. respected magazine. And the guy was talking about like, oh, this guitarist, I play guitar. Clearly, like, is like all up Darudi Columns, but like they love Darudi Column. And I read this thing and I was like, who the hell is Darudi called? <laughs> I've never heard it in my life. And then I listened to it and I was like, what the fuck? It sounds yeah. like like uh, somehow through other music or something, it like trickled down. But it's always like blows your mind when you feel you're like on a wavelength of someone yeah. else. And you didn't even, like someone introduced me to uh, Nicholas Krusnek. I don't know if you okay. know his paintings. He's like a pop painter. He was like third tier you know, Sounds really familiar. cool work, but I was like, "What the fuck? Like this is yeah. right." It was at that point in time the stuff I was doing. I was like, "It's almost like someone could say that like you were just looking at this and like copying the work," you know? Because I, I was, it was amazing, but it's kind of interesting, you know, that you could just tune in 
in a way to someone else's wavelength like that without looking at it. Yeah, it's pretty remarkable. I think, you know, not like how you just said, like not even be aware of of something or someone and then someone just, you know, says the words and then, yeah, like you said, you just you get on that wavelength and it, it's it's a it's a, a new open door for you. Yeah, but it you know it makes sense. We're all pulling from the same yeah. stuff, right? It's like that that dumb YouTube video of like all the songs done with these three chords, and it's like like every song you've ever heard in your life. Every- it's like oh wait, it's the same three chords. <laughs> yes, but it's the way you it's the way you do it. You know, it's, it's the way different. you do it. It's yeah. it's yeah. It's learning the it's learning the basics, and then uh, you know how you can manipulate them to exactly. create your own sound. Yeah. So uh, let's let's geek out for a minute. On for like, sure. Let's painting nerd talk. So what do you, what kind of paints, like what's the process like? Brushes, all that stuff. Um, I, so I use golden paints. Boom, sponsor the podcast. That was not product placement. <laughs> it is good though, isn't it? It, they're amazing. I use the acrylics, the heavy body, and then also the fluid. And I love the uh, the mixture of the two. Like I love having the thicker and then the thinner because the paintings they. I love having the thicker dots, the the ones that have a little bit more paint on them, a little bit more texture, and then the ones that are because the uh, canvas isn't primed or anything. So the ones that are more fluid. Um, it looks like they're staining, you know, seeping into the canvas. So I like that uh, that kind of like juxtaposition of the of the two on the surface of the canvas yeah. for sure. And then I'll say the brushes. The so like the the work I made for Untitled in Miami, I was using maybe like a number six or seven brush just like a round, uh, round brush. And I've cut that down to like half now. So this, the, the dots are like half the size, which means twice the work, but you know, it is what it is. Um, (laughs) more density, more density, uh, a little less, um, like negative space between the dots because they're smaller, which I really like. And, uh, yeah, I think also the smaller dots, they don't look as uh, like pixelated, if that makes sense. Sure. It's a bit more softer ov- overall. Um, it's a little more dispersed. Yeah. It's not as yeah. chunky. It's like uh, 16-bit, not 8-bit. And, exactly. Uh, and a faster road to uh, arthritis down the road. No, I'm just oh, kidding. Oh, man, I, I did know. That. I did it. <laughs> I'm it's, there, man. It, it, it I catches def- up to you. It, yeah, I mean, I go uh do uh i get some acupuncture done like when i'm in like the thick of it now like a show like and i'm and i'm working kind of like all day into the night and kind of you know on that on that train and so i go and have some acupuncture done it definitely helps but yeah see, i that's, noticed that's it. the kind of self-care see you're ahead of the game I mean, that's, that's like a beautiful thing. You know what I mean? To like be able to take it like my, I think when I was in my heyday, I used to do these collages. I mean, I still do okay. once in a while. They're like little and they're yeah. cut with an exacto blade and it's very that's small. Tedious. So it's tedious. And yeah. like my hands would cramp all the time. And my self care was just 
drinking another eight cups of coffee. <laughs> no. <laughs> so you're like, like getting amped up, but like cutting really small and like. Yeah. 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 So I'm paying for that. But that acupuncture, that sounds so good. Like that just sounds relaxing. It is. It's um, like I go to this this place on the west side, which is a drive, but you know, it is what it is. And they, um, my doctor, he'll put in like a few needles and then he'll, he leaves me for 30 minutes with these warm lights. And I just take this light sleep for 30 minutes and just let whatever's happening happen. And it's, it's really relaxing. I was going to say, do you feel like recharged afterwards? It's sometimes I do. Others, I like I'm a little lightheaded, mm-hmm. a little a little nausea just because I think of the toxins, you know, that are flowing around. But uh, it's yeah, it's definitely been a game changer for sure, because I would get pain in my elbow and like kind of like the neck and shoulder area just because of holding my hand out for so long yeah, right it's intensive uh, labor it's, and your yeah. your method is so repetitive in a way which i think is look i'm not trying to convince you to change it up <laughs> <laughs> I swear i swear I'm not. <laughs> no it's incredibly repetitive and there's something relaxing to the, you know to that but it's it's definitely strenuous on the body, even it's, though it's, it's like you're it's a so baseball simple. pitcher. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like your elbow's taking it. You know, you're throwing with one arm all the time. It's gonna, all the time. you know, it's a repetitive motion. Do you like baseball? Yeah. Do you go watch the Dodgers? You know, I haven't been to a Dodgers game yet. I've been dying to go. Uh, my father actually he brought me to uh, when I was younger to kind of like the Yankees, like in their heyday, what was that? Like maybe late nineties, early two thousands. Oh yeah. They, the, yeah. Giam, like, Giambino, those, that era, the like Jeter, Der- Jeter, uh, Bernie Williams. Yes. Matsui. 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 Yep. For sure. And loved going to those games. My dad had a friend and he got us like crazy good seats sitting right there. Pretty much like, yeah. We were probably at the same game, except I was probably up so high that I needed a telescope (laughs) to see the field. (laughs) I know it's, it was, it was, it was pretty cool going to those kind of playoff and world series games. Oh man, it's intense. That's the baseball game you want to, I mean the baseball games in like the beginning of the season or whatever, mid season is fine. It's fun. It's slow. You get to go hang out. You know, I take my son and it's all Mm -hmm. about like hot dogs or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, those those playoff games get intense. They get it it gets the um like the 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 uh it's like it's not anxiety, but it gets the the emotions going. Everyone's oh, yeah. quite emotional at those games and it's it's incredible to like feel that energy. Definitely. Um, is there anything else about like that you found to do in LA that's so different? That's the other thing I circle circle back to the beginning of our conversation. Mm-hmm. That move like I went out to, you know, when I've spent time in LA, it's, it's nice. I like it. It's, yeah. it's beautiful weather, but the pace I can't, I mean, I've been in New York long enough 
then I can't get the pace, I guess. It's almost it, like if I wanted to slow the pace down, I'd want to go out into nature where there's just nothing, like Montana or something. You know what I mean? Where true. it's just empty. But I don't I don't the pace of it I couldn't connect it's, with. Yeah, it it's definitely I've been here what, maybe six years now, and it's it's hard to adjust to because I think because it's a car city and yeah. you're not walking around and you're not, um, you know, you're not feeling the energy of other people. You're in your car all the time. And it's, I think for me that that's like maybe one of the biggest negatives I have with LA is I do truly miss like walking out the front door and like, you're just in it in New York, right? Like you're in it and with here it's I don't I don't know it's the the driving it's yeah everyone's kind of like fast-paced and and driving but then but then you can get stuck in traffic for hours yeah and it's just like time it just feels like time wasted if that makes sense well I mean that's what podcasts are for what music is for too right yeah yeah buy yourself yep. a nice car i guess because yeah. you can spend time in it spend time it, like i guess that's what people do here you know they do spend money on their cars because they're in it all the time yeah it's basically like your second home yeah it's yeah i mean i'm very very fortunate where i kind of have a live work uh situation where my studio you know i it's like 200 short feet commute. away from my yeah <laughs> you fall pretty out short, of your door and you roll pretty much short commute so i'm very lucky in that sense but uh it's it's yeah it, la la has definitely been uh, an adjustment for sure i wasn't i wasn't gung-ho when i first moved here yeah it takes you know a yeah, little time takes, to sink it in it takes time and it's not necessarily it's not necessarily even that pretty other than you have like the mountains and the sea and you know like the landscape but right i mean it's like you could be driving around and it it feels like it could feel like anywhere else it's just kind of like strip mall after strip mall type of thing well here's a question between two new yorkers mm-hmm. uh not born and raised but i've been do i get a pass have i been here long enough you've been there long <laughs> enough yes it's been 24 years. Do I get a New York pass? Um, 100%. Here's my question. Uh, because a lot of the people that I know who live and work in Los Angeles have gone to school there, have been entrenched yeah. in the system. What's it like as a transplant? Is it easy to asking for a friend? No, because a lot of students talk about going to California and they're like, well, mm-hmm. what's it like? I'm like, I, I honestly don't really know. But historically there's this idea that you know if you're going to school out there there's kind of a pipeline into a community is it easy to to tap into a painting or art community out there is it a little isolated Um, i mean obviously it's isolated more in the sense that everyone's spread out and stuff like even when you go there to see galleries it's like okay well i'm going to go to these openings because it's that it's not like new york where you could just go everywhere yeah it's yeah, it's not like New York where you can just kind of like fumble on to like another, op- like one after another and it's it's no big deal. But it's... 
community you know, it, it, it's it, it interest it's interesting because i i didn't think it would it would be um not that it was easy but not i didn't think it'd be as easy um meeting people here because of it being such a car driven place and you got to go from one place to another all the time in a car um but for like in terms of like like the emerging scene and being a young artist and trying you know trying to break into into that world um people were very open here when i moved here um it was easy to like th- honestly instagram was a huge tool just kind of messaging people uh linking up with them uh and everyone just seemed to be pretty open and they you know would invite you to their studios and um it was whereas like I felt like in New York it can seem pretty cut off in that regard it's it's a bit more I don't want to say serious is not the right word but it's a little little more business-like yeah everyone's just on the grind yeah and I, I think just the in terms yeah I just felt like being a young artist and just reaching out to people it was people were extre- very welcoming here so that's good to know yeah it was it was great um yeah the internet uh, yeah. I guess changes it right yeah, the it internet, makes it a little yeah. easier because like pre that you would have to go places to meet everyone. Now you can kind of yeah. connect online. Then you could go meet people and you're like, oh yeah, I'm familiar. I've seen you work online or whatever. It's kind yeah. of an icebreaker in a way that, you know, pre pre that you didn't really have it. You had to just go be yeah. that jackass at the gallery at the opening being like, I don't want to be here, but hi everyone. Hi everyone. <laughs> yeah, it's that's kind of like the right way to say it, I think, is Instagram is kind of like an icebreaker where you could kind of maybe flirt with people a little bit you know yeah know what their work you know like like images and whatnot and then you know you kind of have like yeah you you've broken the ice and then when you meet them in person it's feels a little bit more comfortable maybe i'm not sure but yeah no it's it's yeah yeah it's a it's a little bit of uh you know you know you're vaguely familiar although i guess you could get the wrong impression you meet some people online yeah. or you see their work and they come off a certain way and then you yeah. meet them and you're like, oh, you're not, that's different. You're not that but, at all. Right. <laughs> yeah. Because opposite. that was happening in Hollywood, speaking of Hollywood, you know, see people in plays or in movies and TV shows and you're like, oh yeah, I get the feeling. And then like you hear an interview with them and you're like, whoa, that's a totally different vibe. <laughs> totally different vibe. I know I listened to, uh, do you know the Smartless? Yeah. Uh, podcast yeah one. yep love it and there's you know they have on like so many uh different kinds of people and um there's who i just remember re- recently listening to someone and i i god i can't remember now who it is but was it joaquin I remember li- phoenix he was maybe it was joaquin and i was like i don't know that's the most recent one but I can't remember. I don't think it was him, but they brought on somebody and I was like, wow, that doesn't sound like I didn't picture that at at all. Yeah. Yeah, totally. When I would right. see them in movies or anything and then hearing them speak, it was just like, what? It was like, yeah. 
Yeah, that's it's probably a good thing artists are basically behind the scenes, right? We can just do it. I like it, honestly. Just look at my paintings. Yeah, I yeah. like being behind. I'm like, yep, the work. That's, you know, that's why it's there. Yeah, uh, th- yeah. there's a transition. So do you want to tell everyone about your show? Yeah. Uh, so the show opens up on May 13th with Anat Ebge in L.A. And... Um, I've been working with them for about a year and a half now, and uh, they've brought me to quite a few fairs last year, and I've been working towards this show for about a year now. And um, like I said, Wild Mountain Time, it's, you know, it's a love letter to Los Angeles, moving here and just being in this landscape and in the environment and just an appreciation for um, the, the beauty of, you know, a place that I live in. And it's also, you know, the work is definitely touches on, you know, if we don't act to, you know, save this planet, this beauty could all, you know, you know, it's going to suffer. So um, I, de- I definitely want people to take that away as well. Yeah. Sounds good. And then yeah. people can find your work on their website. Like there's information on their website and uh, you're on social media as well. Yes. So, so social media. Yeah, definitely. Uh, like my Instagram and the gallery's Instagram, um, their website. Yeah, I think that's about, yeah. Title? Mm-hmm. Are you on title? Did you put any music up? <laughs> um, I yeah, I definitely have uh, like a few playlists and things I listen to in the studio, uh, and then of course I just all the albums that I listen to as well. Um, I don't know if they're public actually. I should look at that. <laughs> Sounds good. Well, it was nice to talk to you. Thanks so much for doing it. Thank you for having me. It was a uh, it was really great to chat about the work and uh, I'm excited for the show. So thank you. Thank you. Sound of Vision is recorded, edited, and produced by myself, Brian Alfred. You can find out more about the podcast by going to the website, soundofvisionpodcast.com, and check out images by following the Instagram for the podcast at Podcast. Many thanks to Golden Artist Colors, to Fulcrum Coffee Roasters, and to the New York Studio School for their sponsorship. Make sure you check out Gwen's show, which opens May 13th at Anat Egby Gallery in Los Angeles. It runs until June 24th. It's called Wild Mountain Time. Many thanks to Gwen for talking. If you can, leave a rating and review. It really helps the podcast. And check out the podcast book, Why I Make Art is available wherever you get art books got some great guests coming up so make sure you stay subscribed and thank you for listening